0: So don't play this podcast on an airplane. (laughs) Now that you have said the word bomb several times. Oh, sorry.
1: Well, you know, we're getting on some more lists. It'll bring more more viewers. (laughs)
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So now we have to. We start each show now. Uh, Welcome to the federal government. Uh, Thanks for listening. (laughs) Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast. With your hosts, Amy Babinschek, James Kernan, Amy Luby, and Carl Polichuk, Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Mark your calendars and plan to be with us May 17th and 18th as we bring you the 2023 SMB Online Conference. Check us out at smbonlineconference.com. You'll find we have more than a dozen speakers and two days filled with presentations, plus a format that really works for online conferences. Save $100 by registering today at smbonlineconference.com. Hi, this is Carl with Amy Babinchak, and we are the SMB Community Podcast. Welcome. How are you today?
1: I'm doing okay today. I've got some new windows going in today.
0: Windows, yes. I think you mentioned this sometime and everybody was like, what kind of windows? Is this a replacement for Windows 11? What, what are you talking about? Talking uh, yeah. About physical windows.
1: Physical windows. Yeah, it freaked me out when I saw my, my calendar install windows. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, what? Why am I installing windows? I, I don't remember this. <laughs> no, no, it's not me. It's the window guys. They're installing two new picture windows in the front of
0: my house so very nice
1: it's only two but it comes with a, a big bill Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh, two yeah. six, 6 by 6 foot windows they're huge
0: man well the and glass especially anything that's not just plain flat boring glass is really expensive you know if well, it's this nice is glass.
1: plain flat boring glass but it's you know highly insulated so Hopefully that will be a good
0: thing. I uh, one time I stayed at a back in the day bed and breakfast. This is many many years ago, in this super super old house in Spokane, and the guy actually had curved windows in the front of his house. You know, just very slight curves on the the windows that were near the corners of the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that has got to be expensive to replace. And he said, oh, you have no idea. He said. Like something like 30 years before. He said, I was mowing my lawn when I first bought this house and a rock hit that window. And, uh, you know, way back in the 1960s, that window, and I can't remember the number, but it was like almost like a year's worth of car payments. It was so ridiculous. And he said, So now, I've just literally learned that I only mow my lawn, blowing things away from the house. Like it's still like ingrained into his behavior.
1: Right. It was so painful. Well, I was in a a meeting prior to this recording this podcast with you, and it was a Google Meet, which almost never happens.
0: I've never heard of Google Meet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, this company uses Google Meet. So the meeting was in Google Meet. And of course, there's all kinds of pounding going on in my house right now. And I told them, I was like, they're, they're like, oh, what's going on? We hear a lot of noise. I'm like, well, if this had been a Teams meeting, you wouldn't notice at all because it's really good at filtering out background noise. I think the same is true of Zoom, which we're recording on now. But but yeah, they were like pained to hear me because of all the pounding noises. And I was like, well, if you use a real app,
0: it would, right.
1: it would be fine. <laughs>
0: Um, I love how arrogant we are in technology. The app (laughs) I love is a real app. The app you love is uh, is, uh, whatever, a toy app.
1: Yeah, right. Who is that Google company anyway?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I think I've heard of them. I, I do have to say, shout out to the Blue Yeti. I love this microphone. And there's so many times where I do stuff on Wednesdays. So Wednesdays, the people come and They trim my front bushes and mow the lawn uh, when it's not completely brown. And um, so they're right, literally 10 feet in front of me. And no, I've asked again and again. And I'm almost like worried about it and silencing my mic. And people are like, we hear absolutely nothing. So uh,
1: I have, I don't have a Yeti, but I have some kind that uh, when I was recording a course, they made me buy this specific microphone and it's. You know, pretty much like you know what they look like. Yeah. Um uh, audio technica. And oh. it it just doesn't work for me because my voice is so, you know, barely there that I the over the having the mic right in front of my mouth is the best way to go.
0: Right. Well, and it's different things for different people because I've heard people and I've had the experience with cameras as well. Like you had a camera that was, was like spectacularly clear and I put it on my computer and was like, eh, it's fine. Uh, and I've had microphones where, uh, you know, somebody's so crystal clear. I'm like, oh my God, I have to buy your mic. And then I do. And it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I give a lot of really expensive stuff to the local charity, uh, you know, family uh, uh, giveaway center, thrift store, whatever it is. So um, uh, you and I are, are going to do some traveling in the near term and some big traveling in the in the far term. We're going to be in Lost Wages uh, for Channel Partners, May 3rd. We're going to be with ChannelWise uh, doing some coaching at the Channel Partner Conference. So that will be pretty fun. We'll be joined by our friend, Jeff Ponce. Uh, and uh, what are you coaching on?
1: I don't actually know what I'm coaching on. I'm gonna, you know, this is all business coaching stuff, and um, I'm kind of hope, you know, people are gonna sign up for what they want to to talk about. I'm kind of hoping that MSPs are gonna sign up to talk about um, reducing their dependence and the number of vendor tools that they subscribe to, because one of the things that I noticed in the in the paid consulting that I do is this is a huge problem for for MSPs if they're wasting a whole bunch of money buying tools, and they're not actually getting very much productivity out of them. So I'm hoping somebody comes along and we can talk about that. And I can help them make an actual cash difference that's going to add money to their bottom line and yet not cause them any functional pain.
0: I think getting technicians to stop buying tools that they hardly use is kind of a twelve-step program. Yeah. So you know, be prepared. <laughs> I'm like, hi, I'm Carl, and I buy too many tools.
1: Right. So, well, yeah. you know, I talk to these guys, and they're, I'm like, okay, why do you have this and this and this? Don't they all do the same thing? Well, yeah, but this one does this a little bit better than that. Well, I have this one guy. He refuses to use anything other than, so you're paying $3,000 a year so one guy cannot use the other tool that does the exact same thing? No, don't do that.
0: <laughs> I've had people actually talk to me. I, I had somebody in a coaching program one time who his problem was that he goes to these shows, he goes to Channel Pro or whatever, and he loves all the vendors and he goes and visits all the booths and then he buys. These widgets because this one is only 75 cents an endpoint. This one's a $1 dollar an endpoint. This one's a $1. dollar 25 an endpoint. So it's, you know, it's cheap. It's so cheap you can't not offer it to your clients. And then uh he buys them all. And then he says, now my profit has gone down. I'm like, oh no shit, Sherlock, right? <laughs> like right. if you add these tools, but you don't raise your rates, your profit will go down. That's the way the world works. And um and he said, but but I have to have all these tools. Nah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, right. You don't really. Let's sit down and look at what they do and why you're using them and how much how much money you're making from the tool, right? The tool's supposed to make you money.
0: Right. And I'm a big believer in the bundle. So that, you know, you can add something to the bundle and uh, but but then, you know, come the first of the year, you need to raise your rates. But don't add stuff to the bundle just because it is exactly the same as something you already have only better you need to make choices so i I agree with you on that one i'm gonna be yeah what are you i'm gonna be just doing general like how can i make your business you know go a little more quickly a little more smoothly um because everybody's got a different problem whether it's hiring or you know raising rates or talking to clients or whatever And now, the IT question of the week. Yeah, so. Go ahead.
1: Which authenticator app are you using and why? And this is the two-factor authentication app. I saw a huge conversation about this that I participated in and kind of Shamed people a little bit, so I thought, oh, why not do that here too? So, what what do you use? Do you have an have an app for that?
0: I think this falls into this this falls in the category of being very much like the the meeting apps. I have my preferred one single app, and then I end up using all of them because some of them only work with this or only work with that. My preferred app is Authy, uh, for the primary reason that. Um, it it goes on all my devices, and uh, I hate, I hate having to rely on my phone. So I have gradually moved to Authy where I can be on my iPad, uh, I can be on my desktop, I can be uh, on the web, I can be on anything. i I think it works on a stapler, you know, it' just, so no matter where I am and what I have in front of me, Authy uh, pops up. <clears throat> I will say, uh, I ignore a lot of the advice, and uh, I'm a I am a big fan of the SMS text for two-factor authentication. Uh, I I just feel like, in terms of a numbers game, I'm going to be okay.
1: Well, it's better than not having multi-factor authentication, that's for sure. But um, but you know, SMS is broken. It's like the easiest thing for for the hackers to attack. So. You should move away from text whenever you can, but the thing that the thing that was brought up is um, uh, Microsoft Authenticator, right? So you won't be surprised to know that that's the one that I use. And um, your blood I, runs blue. It it does. Yeah, you know, I finally had to admit that a few years ago. Um, but the, what I what I like about it is it is device specific, right? So I have to authorize a device to use it. And and it it works on a whole bunch of different devices. And you can authorize, I don't know what the limit of number of devices is. I don't even know if there is one. So you can do a bunch. But, But when I get a new phone, it's interesting because all of the, right, I have like 30 or 40 different apps that are using this authentication method and when i restore from backup to my new phone they all come in except for the microsoft 365 ones which i have to go and reauthorize and there's a lot of grumbling about that and they say well but wait but there's a reason for it
0: i was gonna say that makes perfect sense right because Because they don't want to be able to just steal your microsoft account and then you steal everything
1: yeah so the way it works in 365 with Azure Active Directory, Azure Active Directory cares what device the authentication request is 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 associated with. None of the others do. So they just all here's your, you know, as long as you're putting in a number, you're good to go. We don't care where it came from or whatever. But if you're using Azure Active Directory, it does. It's like, no, it has it has to be the code that we're expecting it to generate coming from a specific authorized device that you have configured. Oh, so when I, get it, when, I, when I get a new phone, it's a new device, and I just have to go in there, scan the QR code thing to say I have a new device. Right.
0: Authy right. does the same. I think all the authenticators do that now, that, it has, that it, you have to approve the device. I will say most people don't realize that when something says, go open your Google Authenticator, you can go open your Microsoft Authenticator, and it it will just or work. your
1: or your Authy Authenticator yeah. or any Authenticator, yeah. But yeah, I explain that frequently to people. So <laughs> you don't actually need more than one Authenticator.
0: <laughs> they yeah. all they all work. There's there's a handful of things that it it has to be a certain kind of thing. Um, I do have to say, uh, it it is a, a minor little step, but. it's made my life much easier to know that I just do this one certain thing and uh, I've added a layer of security and nothing is perfect, but um, it really is a huge step in the right direction. And I do like the the fact that institutions are frequently now very conscious of this, you know, obviously banks, but some others as well, like, hey, was this you? And they, you know, they don't make it difficult, but they're like, I just want to make sure, like, it really is you. And and you know, so I, I'd be okay with three-factor authentication at this point just because it's like, okay, let's get this on two devices or two different things or two different means or whatever because um, I feel very comfortable with it. And very often uh, there are things that there's a lot of money involved, right? And I don't want somebody messing with the stuff that actually uh, makes me a living.
1: Yeah, yeah I, if there's an alert... Um, I say, yes, send it to me, right? So it doesn't happen very on too many of, of the authentications, but some of them do offer it. So when I use it, then a little email will come in and say, you know, uh, login was just detected from blah, blah, blah. You know, if this was you, you can ignore it. If this wasn't you, well, then you should do something about it.
0: Right. Well, I have a, you know, a couple of different uh, financial tools that I use that uh, most of them are super strict, and there's one that is not. And my, every time I log into it, I think, I wish they would just do one more thing to make this just slightly more difficult.
1: <laughs> I have one as well. I wonder if it's the same one. We won't, <clears throat> we won't shame them, but uh, um, for well, fear I want that anybody somebody... to
0: start looking for my stuff. It,
1: exactly. <laughs> yes, I have one that I'm always like, really? Can you do a little more?
0: It is funny that I think people focus on the wrong stuff with security. Uh, I mentioned yesterday on a call that I had posted a picture of my uh, APEC uh, card for uh, getting through uh, customs in other countries in the the Pacific Islands. And they were shocked. And I was like, look, if you don't think the bad guys have a copy of that by now, I mean, you're just fooling yourself, right? (laughs) Um, So, you know, you, you have to put, emphasis on security in the right places. And uh, so many people, you know, I post up something like, oh, uh, complaining about the, the Wi-Fi at Luxor. I can't tell you how many messages I got telling me not to use public Wi-Fi. And I'm like, well, part of the slowness is adding a an encrypted tunnel to my desktop. Like, I, I'm not just opening the Wi-Fi in the cafeteria. <laughs> so, but I- yeah you know, I, I'm not going to explain that to everybody, so.
1: Right. Yeah, the whole, um, the whole ID thing is kind of overrated, so one of my employees had a, a friend come in and visit from out of town, and they are going to be visiting, so like, do you need a ride? No, no, I'm going to rent a car. Okay, all right, fine, so, and she was going somewhere else before coming to see her, Um, and so she gets a call, though, And it's her friend, you know, at 1230 in the morning saying, hey, I'm stuck at the airport. Apparently, I've lost my driver's license and I can't rent a car. And then she was super worried about how she was going to fly home because not having a driver's license for, for ID. And I was like, oh, well, plan an extra hour or so, but you will get on the plane because it's not about your ID. It's about whether or not you're carrying a bomb. And they'll be able to figure that out without your ID. It just takes longer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because they make it sound like you must do this, this, this. And like, yeah, but if you don't have that, we'll figure it out, you know.
1: We'll figure it out. Yeah, because we don't actually care so much about what your name is. We care about if you're carrying a bomb. Exactly. Hey, um, you wanted to talk about the age of the generalist and whether it's over.
0: Well, you and I were on a call, actually, we, we were on a call and then you actually sent a memo yesterday about a different call we're going to have tomorrow and uh, about this discussion of you know, the, the rise of security specialists. I don't personally like the term MSSP because most of these people are security companies and somehow they just want to use the term MSP, which should go out of existence anyway. Um, but so anyway, I'm, I'm just not a fan of that. But there are security specialists, and there are MSP generalists, and most of us have grown up as generalists. You, know, you, you kind of have to be in the small business market because nobody's going to say, okay, I need to hire one person to do SQL, and one to do email, and one to do the, the physical networks, and what, you know, da 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 um, so we have to learn it all. But is security now so complex that it's not possible for a generalist to s- succeed for the next five, 10 years?
1: I don't think so. I think that all generalists are now security generalists. So my MSP staff actually has complained recently that all they do is security, right? So the age of actually troubleshooting problems and Um, You know, applying updates and worrying about whether this driver update is going to work and blah, blah, blah. So much of that stuff is all just edge case now that, you know, like the problem is an edge case. The problem is not the norm where it was 15 years ago. It's not anymore. And so what they spend their time doing now is working on stuff that's security in the, in the background. And, um, you know, they were like, gosh, seems like all we do is security these days. I'm like, yep, that's pretty much what our job has
0: become. That well, is the new generalist. And but but a lot of us legitimately don't find that as interesting. Right. I mean, there are people who are like, I, I want to tinker with the stuff. I mean, that's why I got into this. I want to. I want to open the box and I want to see the new interfaces and I want to make sure the cards are all tight and, and optimized to maximum performance. And that's why a lot of people got into computing.
1: Yeah, all the, all those cards, they're all built on the board now. And, you know, there's only one board in there. It's all built on. I mean, that's why we don't have as many driver issues. That's why there's fewer incompatibilities. I mean, just it solves so many problems. And um i security security is the job now and there, there there's absolutely a role for security specialists, right when you're getting into compliance and you're getting into, you know, specific regulations and stuff but then there's just your day to day run of the mill security does everybody have MFA, you know, is there phishing and malware and, um, you know, protecting things from ransom attacks and protecting identities and this is just all run of the mill Tech stuff these days.
0: Well, what's interesting is that um, if you take what what would arguably be called best practices with regard to passwords and security and backups and uh, retention points and all that kind of stuff, um, you would probably do ninety percent of what you need to be HIPAA compliant, to be FINRA compliant, to uh, be compliant with regard to most of the NIST stuff. You know, uh, none of that stuff is like arcane, difficult, outside of our reach, knowledge, or best practices.
1: I I agree. It, there's 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 a role for specialists. You know, if you're talking about the CMMC, they have they have some things. It's not that it's hard. It's just that you don't do it for every client, right? It's a Special for federal contractors. So, but every client needs ransomware protection. Every client needs backup. Every client needs to be sure that their identity is secure and they're not getting slammed with phishing emails. And, you know, it, everything you do these days is just related to security in one way or another.
0: So, for end users, is there a size of company when? <clears throat> a generalist is no longer uh, going to get the job done and you need to call in a specialist as well? I mean, is it 10 users, 20 users, 50 users, or is it because you're in finance or you're in accounting or something?
1: I think the industry drives it and the regulation to that company drives drives it. You know, if you're a certain large company you are more likely to fall into those regulatory needs, and the smaller ones don't fall into those categories. you know very often there'll be exemptions, right? for businesses under fifty, under twenty five, whatever the the number is, or the requirements will be fewer. Um, that's not true for all of them, but it's true for a lot of things. Um, and so a lot of it is very much size tied, which means again, us here down in small business, we have to be pretty good at everything,
0: right Right. Well, I've always argued that you should be a business consultant. In fact, my uh, first MSP was called KP Enterprises Business Consulting Incorporated. <laughs> so, you know, it didn't say Techno Goober, uh, Geek Speak Incorporated. It was, it was all about business consulting. Um, and I think today we need to be business consultants more than ever. Like we need to, because, because the best clients are the ones who want to turn stuff over to you like by definition, those are your best clients. (laughs) They're like, no, this is your job. You do this. And then they become reliant on you long-term. Um, we want more of that, but it means that, uh, even though you got into this because you love technology, you're going to have to learn some stuff that is not old school technology.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure.
0: So, all righty. Uh, final question of the day. Uh, I don't know if you have followed this link. Do you need a one hundred and seventy-four dollar high-tech water gun?
1: I don't, but <laughs> I'm sure I, I'm sure there are plenty of people that think that they do.
0: So, Every year
1: at the boat club, we have this poker pirate run, and uh, everybody gets into their dinghies and is given a, a a list of like a dozen boats that they have to go visit and get a poker card from, and a shot of something right? grog that they want to share. Uh, and so by the end of your dozen, you know, you've, you're dangerous to be behind the wheel, let's say. And, um, <laughs> at, but, and there's a water fights ensue between the boats as they're going through, because it's a bit of a competition to get to the boats. Right. Or the other ones do. And I'll tell you, even with the most high tech water gun, the thing that always beats it is just the very low-tech two-gallon bucket. <laughs> right. they fill up the bucket, and as they run by you in their dinghy, they throw a huge amount of water across at you.
0: So it's once again, it's the uh, uh, it's the uh, the history of the Peloponnesian War that the 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 strong do what they want and the weak do what they can. So. <laughs> So, so we're going to put a link to this gun because uh, this thing shoots 50 feet, which is a significant distance, um, and uh, holds a lot of water. so but
1: Some, somebody 50 feet away wouldn't even know they're in a water fight with you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Probably> they: <that is. laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: So I do like the idea that you spend time on a boat drinking uh, with people who are potentially going to sink your boat, so. Because the water terrifying. actually, it lands up inside the dinghy, right? It, so It
1: does, yeah. So that's one of the jobs is to be continually bailing the dinghy. Right.
0: But so one person is bailing. The other one is filling other people's boats with water. So
1: That's how it's supposed to work, yeah.
0: Exactly. It's a two-person job. So uh, I do have to say I like a sport where I can keep a beer in one hand. So, you know, horseshoes is perfect for that. I'm not sure the water fight would do the trick, especially if I had to paddle. And,
1: Oh no, there's an outboard motor involved. So.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> so somebody's got one hand on the motor and the other hand on a beer. That's yeah, been, so now you got a three-person team.
1: It's a two-person team and there's a lot going on here, right? There's the there's the outboard motor, the dinghy, the water fight, the figuring out where this boat is, that you have to go to pick up your poker card, downing your shots, going off to do it again.
0: Well, I hope nobody in the government listening to this uh, reports you to your insurance company because that does not, like, <laughs> does, not, does not sound like a good adventure. Uh. All righty. Thank you for being here. And thank you to everybody for listening. If you want to be part of the podcast, go to smbcommunitypodcast.com, fill out the form and send us your MP3. We would love to have you join us. And remember, we are all about the community. <laughs>